Welcome to the Experience Taiwan podcast. This is Jamie. This is Jason. So, Jamie,、uh, what's on your mind today? Well, today I'm thinking about Taiwanese opera, or as it's known in、uh, local vernacular, gozai shi.、Mm. So, Jason,、mm-hmm. what do you know about gozai shi? People walking around, singing, dancing, and、uh, fighting. It's like a action. It's like a live action movie for me. The first time I seen it. Also,、oh, when when did you first see it? You know, because、uh, gozai shi is actually really popular in Taiwan, and literally you can see it like a lot. Of, I think they have it in the、uh, Guofu Jinian Guan and stuff like that. They have like shows you can actually watch, and、uh, I've even seen it on TV a couple of times. Yeah, so we'll be touching on that a little bit later in today's episode about kind of the evolution of gozai shi or Taiwanese opera from its origins to actually being something that is presented on now modern mediums such as television. Radio and whatnot. So why don't before we dive into that, we can kind of talk about the origins of gozai shi. So according to historical records, it originated in Ilan,、mm-hmm. which is the northeastern part of Taiwan, about a hundred years ago.、Mm-hmm. And initially, this、uh, gozai shi it kind of originates from two different words. We have shangge and xiaochu, which basically are just two different variations of folk songs and folk tunes, folk tales, and. Originally, the format was pretty small and and casual. I would say maybe not casual, but just、mm-hmm. it gradually the format gradually grew into what we think of today as more serious operas.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and、uh, itself, I think、uh, one interesting fact that you notice that the shows itself they're not they don't use、uh, Mandarin. That's right.、Uh, they、yep. use a different form of dialogue, and that's a dialogue that it was.、Uh, I think we call it a Taiyu, right? Yeah, ta- Taiwanese, 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 and that's something that you notice immediately. So、uh, don't be confused if you don't understand what they're saying. And but at the same time, it's something that it's just like I said, it's it's just beautiful when you watch it because you got to use a lot of imagination because they don't literally have uh, uh, the props for all the stages. For example, like、uh, when they're riding a horse, they would just use a stick and you have like a、uh, you put a rope on it. And you, you literally the crowd itself have to use a lot of imagination to imagine him being on a horse. That's right. Or for example, if they're using a wagon, they might have a big cloth with two wheels painted on it. So, yeah, I mean, th- you think about it, it originated over a hundred years ago, so they didn't have the benefit of three D animation, special effects. So, really, just like reading books and stories, you have to really use your imagination. The onus is on the audience to use your imagination to really to get immersed into the story. And、yeah. one unique thing is the the stages were initially made mostly out of you know bamboo and and wood,、mm-hmm. and audiences they could bring their own chairs or they could stand and watch.、Uh, and typically the timing of these operas back then were all around the revolved around the lunar calendar, yeah, especially yeah. the the important months.、Uh, so usually January, February, March, July, August, and September of the lunar calendar were typically the times that people when there were special festivals. Where people would typically watch and、uh, Taiwanese opera, and when these type of operas would be held. And、uh, if you notice, for people that's watching it for the first time, that、uh, the characters itself they're extremely colorful, and、uh, I never knew that before. But I had asked an elder gentleman, and they explained to me that the reason why they were so bright was because so you can see it from far away. That's right. So, so sometimes the audiences would be so big that、mm-hmm. the people in the back they needed to be. I mean. A lot of these performers are conveying their art through their expressions. Yes, not、yes. just the singing and the, and the talking. So, this would be actually you would see this in the form, for example, the makeup around their eyes, the around their mouths. 
so that if they made any type of notable expressions. Yeah. So even for the people way in the back, you know, as we would say back home with, you know, the cheap seats, yeah. uh, they could still enjoy, enjoy the performance and get into it. Now, traditionally, uh, in these Taiwanese operas, there were only three characters. One was called Xiaosheng. Mm-hmm. The, the second one was called Xiaodan. And they were Xiaochou. But then gradually with time as it adopted and absorbed influences from other uh, local operas in the region, it actually extended to four different characters. One is Sheng, second one is Dan, the third one is Jing, and then the fourth one is Chou. And as, as Jason was saying, uh, there weren't, the audiences really had to use a lot of their imagination, but in order to assist with this, a lot of these performers, they'd use makeup, their actions, the way they sung the dialogue they have, all this was to, I guess you could say, could assist with the audience imagination and getting immersed into the overall performance. Oh, definitely. Because uh, as mentioned before, the performances are basically based on uh, folk songs or uh, ditties. And they're true actual stories of what people uh, uh, enjoy back then. So when we're literally looking at it, I, I always like to look at it as reading a book that is actually coming up live in front of me. Uh, and it's one of the quickest and most entertaining ways to understand uh, Taiwanese culture. And you bring up a really good point, which is why mm-hmm. Taiwanese opera became so popular so quickly in Taiwan over the past 100 years is because really it took a lot of traditional folk tales and stories that people already loved and just yeah. put it into a more, I guess, enjoyable format. So I think that leads us to the evolution of Taiwanese opera, especially over the past 70, 80 years. Mm-hmm. So... In the 1950s, for the first time, Gozaishi uh, was put on the radio. Yeah. So people could actually start enjoying this, even if they couldn't go to a live performance. Mm-hmm. And then after 1957, the first Gozaishi was made into a movie. Mm-hmm. And then in 1962, it went on television for the first time. So that way, more, even more people, especially those who had televisions, could enjoy the format. And then for the first time after 1980, it was actually performed in the National Opera. Around that point, that's when this entire artistic, this art form really became known as Taiwan opera. Mm-hmm. So um, if, we're a, if I'm a foreigner mm-hmm. living outside of Taiwan and just, you know, for whatever reason, I can't get there yet, but I want to enjoy and experience Gozaishi, Taiwan opera, how could I do so? Well, you can do it uh, uh, quite easily, actually, because nowadays, not only is it limited uh, uh, to performance in Taiwan, you can see it in a lot of countries, in uh, France, Japan, uh, Singapore, South Africa, and it, it's actually quite easy. Not And it also, as you mentioned before, you can also see it on TV with broadcasts. But I would s- still suggest for people to come see it in Taiwan because that's where it originated. And the uh, stories itself, it's you got to experience it in person uh, with the environment to uh, get the full experience. I would, I would completely agree with that. And I'll just say from personal experience, the first time, my first experience with Gozaishi was actually on YouTube. Mm. So mm. I actually haven't even seen it in person, but mm. even just watching it on YouTube in video format was still really interesting and enjoyable. And I also had the benefit of subtitles. <laughs> Did you notice their, their voices? The, uh, that's, not, that's something that I think uh, people don't realize is how uh, uh, high-pitched the, the characters are actually are. Yeah, I mean, th- this is one thing um, I, I think maybe a... Um, 
maybe a, a misconception or something that maybe some foreigners might find a little funny mm. is typically when we think of Western opera, it's these, you know, huge, gigantic, powerful voices. But mm. I think most people will say, oh, that's beautiful. Mm. But then I think if some people are exposed to whether it be Chinese opera or Taiwanese opera for the first time, it's like all these loud, screechy voices. But actually, I think once you get used to it and watch more of it, actually, it's really entertaining and amazing. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, and as you mentioned before, I it's people got to understand that you need to use your imagination because i can remember the first time i watched it i was thinking why is a guy walking around holding a stick i mean who is he fighting <laughs> but it seems like you, you kind of have to uh put the picture in your mind the background the environment because as you mentioned back then they didn't have all the uh, computer generated effects so literally like a whip i could be mean uh, uh like a, a prop like a stage or like a, a wagon or a horse and that's something I think it's just so beautiful about the art itself. Yeah, so I think just to close out today, Jason and I mm -hmm. would highly recommend that, especially if you're in Taiwan, definitely go check out a Taiwan opera, Gudzai and I think you won't forget it. Definitely, definitely. It's something that uh, not only will help you uh, understand more about the culture and the backgrounds of Taiwan, and as you mentioned, uh, it's something that you definitely do not want to miss, and it symbolizes Taiwan. Okay, everyone, that's it for today. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Take care. Take care. Copyright by Ministry of Education.